All right, we're going to start here. Lord, we just ask you to bless this time as we open your word. Help us to learn what it is you would like us to learn from all of this and how to apply it to our lives. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read all the way back to 14 to get a little bit of context here. Therefore, he says, Awake you that sleep, and rise from, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be you not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein there is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at this section, read the context so we know what it is that he's telling us to be not walking in, and that is to walk accurately, redeeming the time. And we talked about that, that last week. Walk according to the scriptures and correctly. And then he says in verse 17, which is where we left off last week, Wherefore, be you not unwise. Now, we, when we talked the Proverbs class, we talked the definition for wisdom is applied knowledge. What do we know that God teaches us? And he says that Jesus is wisdom. In, in the book of Proverbs, we see that Jesus is wisdom. Wisdom cries in the street. We obey wisdom. And here he says, be not unwise. And he just got done talking about walking accurately, walking in what we're taught. How many times have you sat in a Bible study or church service and you heard, heard a, at least average message to a great message that applied to your life and then you walked out and didn't apply it? <laughs> We've all done that many times probably. That is walking unwisely. <laughs> and we want to take what we hear and walk according to what we're taught. And this takes time. It takes God changing our heart. But to walk the way he teaches us to walk the way he wants us to walk. The flesh doesn't like to walk that way. The soul doesn't like to walk that way. Our spirit wants to walk that way when we've been born again. And God is saying, don't do this unwisely. He goes, and then the word, but. But understanding the will of the Lord, what, what the will of the Lord is. And so, I went on and I go, okay, what does the Bible say the word of the Lord is? So we're going to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verses 3 through 7. And this is quite obvious. He says, verse 3, for this is the word of the Lord. <laughs> okay? Verse 3, for this is the word of God that your sanctification, even your sanctification, excuse me, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lust or concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man be beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that is the Lord is the avenger of such, as we also have been forewarned you and testified that God has not called you unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. The will of God, 
right from the very beginning is to have sanctification. Now, sanctification is a pretty big word, but it means to make holy. And we've talked about this. There's three parts of salvation. We've talked about this before. The first part is we're justified. God in the courtroom of heaven declares that we're perfect. Unfortunately, we're not perfect, and we know that. But as far as in the courts of heaven, the moment you get saved, God says you're perfect because you put on the righteousness of Christ. Now, we're going to spend the rest of our lifetime being sanctified, being made what he says we are. Hopefully, you have been experiencing that. The more you walk with God, the more things he's taken out of your life and the closer you are walking to perfection. Now, many of us have a long, long ways to go still. You know, and we will always have somewhere to go to get close to get to perfection because we can't be perfect. But the more we spend time with God in his word, being taught, the more he will change us because he crucifies our flesh and he starts pouring out of us, which we've shared many times. Christianity is pretty easy because he does the work. It's not of works lest any man should boast, Ephesians tells us. Yeah. He doesn't let our flesh stand before him. So even when we think we're doing good things and all that, God says, no, nope, you did it, it's not that good. I, I'm the one who's going to do it. That's what we get rewarded for, the things he does through us. We're talking in the way to the car today. You know, how often does God take people who, when you look at them, should not be used by God and uses them? Which is all of us. <laughs> Okay, in honesty, that's all of us, but how many times does it take somebody who seems to be really bad, they've had a really bad life, and God uses them? And you look at them, some people you look at them, they still haven't cleaned up their life, and God still uses them, because it's all grace. And in reality, all of us are in that same place. None of us deserve to be used by God, period. Even if you grew up in the church, never got off into really bad sins, by man's definition of bad sins, you're still a sinner that doesn't deserve to serve God. And yet God uses us to minister to others. His will to walk in that sanctification that he's put it in. And in verse 8, excuse me, let's finish 3, which he said, abstain from fornication. Okay. In the Bible, fornication isn't always just sex outside of marriage. Oftentimes, he uses fornication as idolatry, worshiping other gods before God. And God is serious with this because he takes on a relationship to us, he says, of Israel, they're his bride, and of the church, we're Christ's bride. <laughs> so when we do anything that worships another god, we're in an act of spiritual fornication. And well, in our day, we go, well, we don't worship other gods. We don't have these big statues we bow down before. We still worship other gods. Anything that comes before God in our life is an idol. There are some people that just working out and exercising becomes their god. They won't let anything get in the way of their exercise routine. They won't let anything keep them from their god. Some people at sports. Yeah. I've, got to, I've got to play or watch my sport. 
And if it interferes with what God's doing, then sports comes first. For many people in our day and age, it could be television. Watching and wasting time on television. How many of us have sat down, I'm just going to watch the news at 6 o'clock, or 5 o'clock, whatever time it comes on, and we turn the TV off at 11 or 12 o'clock? All that time we could have spent with God or doing anything, wasted. So we want to be careful. He says, abstain from that kind of stuff. He says, let every one of, let every one of you learn how to possess or acquire his vessel in sanctification and honor. Honor. Honor is a wonderful word in the Greek. It means the price placed on something. All of us have certain things in our possession. Maybe to the world they're worthless, but to us they're priceless. It could be something that you that belonged to your grandparents or you know family heir, heirlooms. And you know, the world looks at it and says, well, it's just a piece of worthless junk. And you go, oh, no, it's got all these memories for it. It's priceless. Do you realize the price God has put on us? Have you really thought about that? God loves us so much that to buy us back, he sent his son to die for us. Do you realize the price that that is? And not only did he send his son, he planned on sending his son even before he created us, knowing that we would sin. Yet created us and sent his son to pay the price. We really need to grab hold of how valuable we are to God. In our day and age, people have no value of life out there. And you hear it on the news all the time. Somebody goes out, kills a bunch of people, then turns the gun on themselves and kills themselves. No value for life. People are no longer accepting that we're made, created in the image of God and that God values us. Because they're being taught that we're just a bunch of chemicals that somehow got alive with no meaning. This teaching that's going on in the schools and in the world is a terrible, dangerous teaching to tell people that they have no value. Then when they feel like they have no value, which they will, it's why not just in this. The good news for us is because we know that God has placed great value on us. When we get to the place where we feel like we're worthless and no value, we know God cares for us. He loves us. One of my favorite songs in this day is the song we sang in the second one, Remind Me Who I Am. We oftentimes need to be reminded who we are to God, how much he loves us, how much he cares for us, how precious we are to him. He loves us. We want to keep that in mind, his love. And it says, not in lust or con concupiscence, which means lust is an inordinate desire, and then concupiscence means covenant with abnormal desires. So this is two times he's putting it. Lusting is something, is something we go after that we're not supposed to have. It's not ours. Many times we lust, and it's not just for people, which a lot of people will like to say they're lusting for people. But how many people see their neighbor with a new car, 
Nothing wrong with their car, but they just have to have a new, better car. <laughs> okay. Why? Well, because it's shinier or brighter and it's, everything works. <laughs> you know, for lots of us, we have older cars and pieces don't work. You know, something doesn't work right. <laughs> you know, the engine runs fine. I tell people, my, my only thing I want in a car that gets me from point A to point B <laughs> and doesn't break down in between. If it does that, I'm happy with my car. But how many times you, and all this advertising we see on TV is designed to make us think that we need the car, right? You, know, you, you need the internet on your car. Now, I don't know why anybody needs the internet on their car because you can't spend time looking at the internet while you're driving. But you've got to have the internet access to your car or Wi-Fi in your car and a car that will park itself. Uh, you know, there are all these silly things that they go, you've got to have these things. Now, is there anything wrong with any of that stuff? Probably not, but not, but it's not something that's a need. How many people looked down and said, "Well, I need a better house because I need to improve my house because my neighbor just improved their house. They did their landscape, they put a roof on, they they painted it. All of these things become lust. And even worse, he's saying here after abnormal desires. We have so many abnormal desires out there in this world today. We keep up there, and we've got the biggest news right now is the whole transgender bathroom issue that's going on. Now, just wherever you think you are, you can go use whatever restroom you want. Nobody considers the dangers involved in that until somebody gets hurt, and yet it's out there. The homosexuality issue that's been, you know, pretty much settled by the court supposedly, but God still says it's a sin. And we have to hold on to those declarations. When God says something, it is true, no matter what the rest of the world says. And this has been happening for years, where the world will say something. And unless we have a great revival that brings us back to God, we will be facing judgment. Because all through the scriptures, we see when people get especially sexual sins, and it gets so bad, God judges. And this world is getting to a place where it's due judgment. And we want to be careful. We want to hold on to God's truth. We want to hold on to what is true out there. Because God is truth. And I know it's very narrow and people don't like it, but it is true. We have to stand with God. Jesus said the, the way to him is through a narrow gate, and few will find it. He goes on to say that many in that day will say, Lord, Lord, didn't die. And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. We need to make sure we stay in that narrow gate and get, go through it and be ready when people accuse us of being narrow-minded and bigoted and intolerant. And you know the fun thing to do with them is say, yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you know, because they're saying these things to try to make us feel bad and that we should change. But you know, in this day and world, we are, by their definition, bigoted, intolerant, and narrow-minded. And I say, praise God. Because I'm going to agree with God. Because when I stand before God, he's not going to say, how open-minded were you, and how much sin did you let into your, you know, how much did you please the people around you by letting all the sin happen? He's going to say, do you know my sin? And then they'll be able to say, yes, and I followed him through that gate. And I helped hold the standards to the best that I could. We need to be shining lights of what God wants to, us to live by. 
Is it going to be easy? Absolutely not. It wasn't easy for the disciples as they were preaching the gospel. They were told by the ruling authority, you cannot preach in, his, in that man's name. And they would go on and preach in the name of Jesus. And they would be hauled off, beat, thrown in the dungeon overnight, and go right back out, saying, thank you, God, that we were worthy of suffering for you, and go right back out and preach his name. And you want to think about this. When they were beat with those whips, if it was a Jewish punishment, it was 39 strokes with the whip. Their backs laid open and raw. And then they were thrown in prison cells, which weren't nice, clean, hygienic prison cells. They had musty, moldy hay for them to sleep on rats and all kinds of vermin in the jail cell with them, and then they were released. If God didn't protect them, there was infections that were going to happen in these, in these stripes. And yet they came and they go, God, thank you that we were worthy to suffer for you. We need to get ready for that attitude because trials are coming. That's usually the first thing we think of when, when bad things happen. Why me? Why am I going through this? Our attitude should be, well, God, if I'm, thank you that I've been worthy of these trials. Thank you. Because he's saying that he's trusting us. He's trusting us to be a witness to the world for him. In verse 7, it says, in this verse, it says, For God has not called us to uncleanness, but to holiness. That's what sanctification will lead to, holiness. Walking set aside for God. You know, we're called holy, we're called righteous. God even calls us perfect. When he looks at us, that's what he sees. Because we put on the righteousness of Christ. One of the themes in this letter that we've been going on is be in Christ. Put on Christ. We are to rest in him. And when we rest in him, he'll crucify our flesh and he will come out of us. It's a wonderful place to be. Hopefully you've all experienced it at certain points of your life. To be walking so close to God that it seems like you've got your life together. Usually only stand, stays for an hour or two. <laughs> But it is precious when we get to a place where God is ruling, where we're at peace, because we are in faith rest with him. That is God's goal is for us just to rest in him. All through Psalms, he says, he's our defender, he's our protector, he's our shield, he's our buckler, he's our strong tower. The righteous run into him, and they are safe. Are you resting in Christ? you spend most of your time resting in Christ, or are you outside the tower struggling? Now, have you got this attitude, oh, I can handle this, and you run out of the strong tower without your, without your armor and without your sword, without the righteousness of Christ, and then wonder why you're crawling back to the strong tower why you got beat up so bad. God's saying, just rest. He's the one that goes to battle. He's the one that wants to fight the war for us. All we do is rest. And God is making that sanctification for us. 
So back to Ephesians. It says, as soon as I find my place, which is in the other page. It says, And be not drunk with wine wherein in excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. How often do we get filled with the wine of the flesh? Not even literal wine sometimes, but just activities of the flesh. And even as Christians, sometimes we'll tend to do this. We'll try to think, well, if I just go out and do this activity, I'll feel complete and whole. The world does it all the time. That's the only thing they know. People get into any sexual activity trying to fulfill a desire. They get into any sinful activity trying to fill some desire. And it never gets filled. And God is saying, there can be excess there that will ruin your life. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And filled, there is the word play well and it means to fill completely. Do you know if we're filled completely with the Spirit, there's no room for anything else? And he will pour out of us to minister to people. We, when we are saved, are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are baptized by the Holy Spirit. And because we're baptized by the Holy Spirit and we're filled by the Holy Spirit, he changes the essence of our flesh and our sinful nature into his desires. He does the work. And I'm hoping that we can get hold of this idea. He is the one that changes us. We don't change ourselves because we can't. No flesh is going to stand before God. When we stand before God, and for us Christians, I don't mean to be in the seat and he judges our works by flames and fire. He's going to throw everything we've done into the fire, the crucible, and see what comes out. If it was done in our flesh, it burns. No matter how good or how bad it was, it will burn. And sometimes we can do some good things by human standards. But God says, I don't accept the good, even by human standards. Isaiah tells us all our righteousness, all the good things I can do are filthy rags to God, and he's going to burn them. The only thing that we're rewarded for is what we let him do through us. And here he's saying, walk with him. Let the Spirit fill us. And it says, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart. I think I've shared before, especially back in the days I worked in the restaurants. Restaurants, restaurant managing is a very hard job, a stressful job. There would be times that I would just say, I need to take the trash out, or I need to go pick something up in the cooler. And I would just sing a, a chorus real quick. Take five minutes and sing a chorus, focusing my mind back on God. The power of this focusing our mind on God is very good. If you're not a singer, you don't like singing, meditate on a verse. <laughs> Do something that brings your mind back to God. When you're in a stressful situation and you need to go to God, you know, if you have a favorite song, just sing a couple bars of that song. You know, get your mind focused on him. If you've memorized some verses, remember the, quote those verses and think about them for a few minutes. Hopefully you have verses in your head that you've memorized that you can say, 
I'm going to focus on these verses. There's wonderful verses. Proverbs 3, 3.5 is, is about thinking on God's thoughts, not, not using the wisdom of man. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5.17, we are new creations. Come up and find some verses that you can memorize that will be your strength when you're in a hard time. I will share with you, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. When you're in a real hard time, if you believe that verse and can quote it back in the middle of that thing, go, good God may not understand it, but you promised. <laughs> Gives you something to quote back to God and say, God, I'm holding on to this promise. In Psalms, it tells us that God says, precious in, the sight, in his sight is the death of his saints. They've got to come home. You want comfort when somebody dies close to you? that saved, precious in God's sight. They went home. Find some verses that are very strong. Joshua tells us that we are to choose God. Okay, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's a lot before that. Talks about worshiping the gods of the other side or not, you know, and, and not, or then you go into t choosing him. But find things that can meditate on because it will put our mind changed. Songs are great because they, a lot of them have good doctrine in them. Find some songs that have some good doctrine in them. Some don't have good doctrine. You know, don't worry about Don't be recording those ones to yourself. But oftentimes, just a quick song to God will change everything and refocus us off the problem onto God. Quoting scriptures can quote, change our focus from ourselves to God and bring that peace that passes understanding. Then verse 20, how hard is this one? Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How hard is it to give thanks? Sometimes it's easy to give thanks. We like what's going on. We go, thank you, God. We're happy with everything that's going on in our life. Those are far and few between. <laughs> Usually we're having to say, thank you, God. I don't understand this, but thank you because he has a plan. When we really understand that God has a plan for our life, it's much easier to say thank you. If we think the bad things happening to us are just random events, bad luck, you know, uh, on all of this, then we're not thankful. How many times have you gone through something and you were thankful and it didn't seem all that bad? And you go, well, that was just a small problem. Then you look back and maybe it was a really big problem, but you had the right attitude. You were focused on God. And then another thing comes along and you weren't thankful. And you got knocked down and beat up. And maybe it was a really small problem. <laughs> but you did not thank God for allowing you to do this. As we go back to the apostles, every time they were beat for Christ, they say, thank you that I was worthy of suffering. Do you realize how that will change every event in your life if you can come to God and say, thank you, God, that I was worthy of su to suffer. Help me be a good testimony through this. Stephen witnessed and was being stoned. And he said the same thing Jesus said, Father, forgive them. And then he looked up and he says, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. 
but he was still thankful. Even though he was being killed, he was a testimony. This is not unusual in this day. I've talked about it before. If you've ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs, there's testimony after testimony of these people that said, thank you, God, that I'm, that you're worthy, that I'm worthy to suffer for you as they're going to their death. It's a hard book to read because they describe some of their deaths. And we're not going to describe those deaths today. But they have gone through many, many horrible deaths. And yet their attitude was, thank God, I'm worthy. Besides the fact they knew they were going to see Jesus in just a few minutes when they went through this. You realize that when you face death, it's just an opportunity to, to meet God. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We need to learn to be thankful. And I don't say be thankful that bad things happen to you, but be thankful that God has allowed you to be the witness. If you can be thankful because bad things are happening, you've got some other problems. And we're not to be thankful because bad things, but because God allowed us to be witness for him. And be thankful. And he says, always in all things. All, and if we live that life of gratitude, when we're going through hard times, people look at you when you go through a hard time. And they wonder why we're different from most of the rest of the world. I've always wondered how the world can get by in their life. And the obvious thing is they don't. Suicide rate, the alcoholism, the drugs that they take are all to try to get rid of the bad things happening in their life, at least for a little while. And you look at that and say, well, and if you just trusted God and really knew that God loved you and he gives the strength, you can get by. And that's not to be critical of anybody who's had problems in those areas or may still have problems in those areas. But if we learn to be thankful, we learn to put all of our trust on God, it'll get easier. Will it ever be perfectly easy? No, we're still sinful beings. We still struggle with, with the wrong desires, the wrong thoughts. The more we spend time in God's word, the more we sing and make melody in our heart, the more we're with God's people, being built up and edified by his people, the better off we're going to be and the closer we're going to be with God, and the more joyful and peaceful we're going to be. It takes time. It's not easy. But God loves us enough that he's going to give us that peace. We're going to close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we've had to listen to you. Lord, we ask that for all of us in this room that you teach us to be walking in the peace that passes understanding, the joy. Teach us to be thankful in all things, not for the pain, Lord, but for the, that you have determined that we are worthy to be a witness unto you through whatever pain and whatever trials you put us through. And we just thank you for all that, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.